Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This took place two summers ago in the hometown of the Cowboys. Now, I'm aware of human trafficking in this city, and I had a co-worker pulled out of work and put in a safe house by the FBI because she finally decided to rat on her family. However, I never thought that they just randomly snatched people. In all the stories that I heard, they used drugs or coercion. So two summers ago, I'm cycling to a smoke shop. It's kind of out of my way and not a great neighborhood, but I'm fairly confident and it's daylight and I ride all over the city and I know the store. I was 24, short, and had short pink hair, but I always considered myself too intimidating to kidnap. I forget that even if I am a veteran, I'm also a short white girl. I pull up to a crosswalk and I'm waiting for a light when two Hispanic guys just start catcalling me from the windowless white van. There's no identification, no stickers, even the way they yelled at me was a a little bit weird. It wasn't the typical, nice body, ha ha ha, let me have you, locker room kind of stuff. They would talk to each other and then yell through a cracked window about how we're going to get you, you're next. It felt off, like they were excited, but I just flipped them off and rode away. End of story, right? Over a mile later, I'm right around the block from my destination. To set it up, there was a massive empty lot, really more like two lots on my right. That was the side that I was riding down. To my left, there was a back fence of a very, very old and probably abandoned house. It was like that all around, mostly drifters or old people in poverty. A few trap houses if you catch my drift. 
The point is, is that there was no one else visible, and even if they had seen this, they probably wouldn't have said anything for their own safety. I'm pedaling along when the album ends, and I think I'm almost there, and I'm not going to stop and fumble with my phone. And I think this saved my life that day. As I'm thinking this, a white van pulls up on my left and stays right inside my peripheral. But they revved the engine a few times and tried to spook me, but something told me not to move. But don't let them know that you know kind of thing. So I acted like my music was playing and pedaled a little faster. Up ahead of me was a brick wall to my left and a tall tree over it, before a quick alley entrance. And suddenly, they punched the gas and pull up in front of me, stopping next to the brick wall. But they were trying to corner or funnel me, putting me into a position where I had to ride between their door and the wall. And this all happened in a, a span of maybe seven seconds. It was quick though. Surprisingly, I, I didn't feel panic though. I didn't actively register any fear or sweat or anything. It was like someone much calmer just took over my body and was like, nope. I remember instantly crossing the street without even thinking about the movements or why, and as I paddled up the other side, I realized that this was the van from before, and now it has a window repair magnet on the side. It's too small to look good and has absolutely no contact info whatsoever, just a, a generic name. I kept rubbernecking and see that there was no one in the front, but... There was movement behind the seats. The guys were in the back by the door and they had planned to literally drag me off my bike, off the street and do God knows what to me. Once I passed, they scrambled into the front seat and pulled out so hard that they burnt rubber. I got to the store safe, but I, I still hate myself for not taking the plate number. Not that it would have done any good. They probably switched them out anyway later. But I knew that... I had almost been kidnapped and killed, or worse. But it wasn't until I told the story to someone from Mexico that I found out that these were probably traffickers. They said it sounded sadly familiar and apparently happens all the time. I have no family and my roommates are just roommates. I would have been gone for three to seven days before anyone even decided something was wrong. And even then, they would have just known that I left on my bike and vanished. I would have been across the border or dead before anyone even knew that I was gone. So I would say that I was pretty lucky that day. I go to school in a big city that is one of the least safe cities in all of the US. I chose this school for nursing and definitely not for the location. I live in a row house, I think that's what they call it anyway, off campus with four other girls. Cheaper and nicer than dorms, or so we thought, but uh, I guess you get what you pay for, right? So we're all girls and sophomores in college. As you would guess, we go out and drink and come back and do things that we don't remember. We had just started our rent in August, three floors plus a basement which was padlocked by the owners. It was understandable, I mean, we would definitely have parties down there to avoid immediate cleanup and whatnot. But the house was great too, amazing location to the school and work, and I'm a CNA who works odd hours, which is important for later. It wasn't too expensive, and it was in good condition, and I'd never lived with that many people before, 
just one roommate, so before we definitely knew if one of us had misplaced or changed something, we would always ask each other. But I started to notice that my snacks were either half gone or completely gone. I was getting annoyed, but a house of many people is just too much work to figure out who ate what, so I just kind of ignored it. Slowly, as girls do, we started making comments about someone eating our food, but kind of passively aggressively. You know, college girl stuff. We all just let it go because who wants a whole house fight, right? Now, I work until about 11 in the NICU, get home at about 11.30, mostly on weeknights. And I started to notice pans left out or snack wrappers around and whatnot. I thought it was odd because none of my roommates had done that before, but... I just thought, well, they probably drank a bottle of wine and then went to bed and just forgot about all this. Again, my roommate started making comments. This time, we started to ask because it was getting annoying. All of our food being gone and things being left everywhere was just getting a bit much. I knew at the time that it was definitely one of them, but, I mean, who wants to admit that they ate someone else's snack in college? Snacks are a high commodity, right? We chalked it up to the girl who always smokes and eats her weight in food, and she swore that it wasn't her though. This went on for about two months, and it got more obvious someone was clearly taking everyone's food. At the time, we definitely thought it was the girl that always smokes. I mean, I see her eat her whole snack pantry in a night pretty much. Now, one night at work, I was about to get off, but uh, a situation happened, and I didn't end up leaving until about 12.30. I took the bus home. I carry pepper spray, a taser, and a pocket knife, so had nothing to worry about there, and I got home and was about to collapse. I wanted to go to bed ASAP because I was exhausted. I walked in the front door, and the stairs are directly in front of you, and you can also see down the side into the kitchen. So I walked in and saw someone in the kitchen, but was way too tired to say hi, thinking it could end in like a 30-minute conversation about nothing, so... I just went straight upstairs. When I go to the second floor, I noticed all of my roommates' doors were closed, which always means that they are all either in their room for the night or asleep. And upon seeing that, I, I got a weird feeling. Just something that made it click. They were all asleep, right? I texted our house group chat asking if anyone was in the kitchen, and I felt stupid for even asking. Two responded no, and they said the other two had been asleep for a long time. It was at that point that I knew that it wasn't any of my roommates down there at that moment. So I dialed 911, but didn't press call, and I crept into my roommate's room across the hall. Thankfully, or maybe not thankfully, she didn't have her door locked. I whispered telling her that I think someone is in the house, and... She gave me the widest eyes ever and almost looked like she was going to cry. She didn't suspect anything like I had, but for reference, a, a very bad area, as in there was a shooting in the house two doors down only weeks earlier by an intruder, was where we lived, so it was definitely not out of the question. She mouthed to make the call and the whole time we were pretty much dead silent. We didn't hear really anything at all. I was starting to think that... Uh, Maybe I was just seeing things after such a long day at work and was regretting that I dialed thinking that I'm going to look like an idiot when they show up and I was just overtired and dreaming. 
We explained what was going on and they said that they'll send someone ASAP. And that actually does mean right away here since it's a pretty big and dangerous city. The police showed up and I didn't even want to go downstairs but the operator confirmed that it was them so I did. But the whole time I, I could have sworn the operator could hear my heart beating. It was that loud. So the police come in and look around and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I, I look so stupid. They ask if there are any other floors and we tell them technically the basement but it's padlocked so really no. They check the basement just in case and... Well, yeah, they were right. Apparently, a man had been living in the padlocked basement this whole time. The lock was pulled off the hinges and just kind of propped up against the wall. We never looked at that, though, and we rarely went out back. But apparently, the guy had taken a comforter of one of my roommates out of the hall closet, had a mattress from God knows where, and his clothes, and, well... He was the one moving and eating all of our stuff. He would just come out in the middle of the night and do it and he started getting more comfortable. I don't know if he was drugged out and forgot to clean his tracks or he just didn't really care. But me and my roommates have pretty consistent schedules during the week, probably letting him think that any time after about 12 was good to come out. We never slept with our individual doors locked and that's kind of what freaks me out the most. He had access to any one of us at any moment and we had no idea that he was there the whole time. When he was getting arrested, I was the only one to go down and look and I don't know why I did and to be honest, I, I wish I didn't. But I took a picture in the process of him being arrested to show my roommates who were too afraid to go down. And this is him. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So I experienced something in my childhood home that I still can't explain to this day. My mum and sister and I lived in this house from when I was four until I moved out as an adult. And I had two experiences in this house and this is the first one. The layout of the house was such that the only way to reach the kitchen or back door was to walk through the dining room and into a small hallway. Around the age of 12, I suddenly began to feel uh, very uneasy in this hallway, particularly at night or when I was alone. I had never been afraid of this house before, even in the dark, and I just couldn't explain why this hallway just suddenly made me feel so uncomfortable. The main problem with this was that we had two small dogs who slept in my room at night and it had uh, become my responsibility to let them out into our fenced-in backyard for one last potty break every night before I went to bed. This meant that I had to let them out on my own when it was dark and to do this, I had to walk through that hallway to reach the back door. I started turning on every light leading up the hallway, then letting the dogs out and running back to the dining room to wait for a few minutes. Then I would let them back in, lock the door, turn off the lights and just run back to my room. I couldn't walk through the hallway in the dark without feeling like I was just in a, a great deal of danger, even though it had never bothered me in the past. But this feeling grew over the course of several months and I tried to talk to my mum about it but she said that I was just being silly and it was just all in my head. It eventually got so bad that I couldn't force myself to go back there alone at night to let the dogs out and I started taking them out into our unfenced front yard instead. I wasn't supposed to be doing that at all but standing outside alone in the dark with the possibility of getting into tons of trouble with my mum was a, just a way better option than walking into that hallway. The feeling of fear was just so intense there that I was terrified. I had also stopped wanting to go there during the day, which meant that I also couldn't get into the kitchen. I started just choosing to be hungry because I refused to go in there to feed myself. My mum would cook occasionally, but I had no issue with telling us that it's left overnight, heat something up, or just us having us grab some cereal or something. But as the feeling grew, even during the day, I was just too afraid to go through the hallway to the kitchen, so... Sometimes on the weekends or evenings, I, I just didn't eat. Luckily for me, I, I was able to eat breakfast and lunch at school, so I wasn't starving or anything. But this went on for about a month, and then one morning it just kind of changed. I was getting ready for school. My sister was still asleep, and my mum was in the kitchen, and I heard my mum scream my name, and the way she yelled for me, my stomach dropped. I panicked and I thought she must have cut off her finger or something or hurt herself really badly. I ran straight into the kitchen, figuring it was an emergency and when I got there, she was just standing there looking at the kitchen door that I had just walked through with her face just completely white. I asked what was wrong and she didn't really answer. 
She asked me if anyone had been in there and I replied no since my sister was asleep and I had been on the other side of the house and I was just super confused at this point. She said that she had been packing her lunch and had turned around and seen someone standing in the hallway through the kitchen door and to this day she won't tell me who or what she saw. If I bring it up she says that she doesn't remember but the way she acts about it and how quickly she tries to just change the subject makes me think that she does and that she just doesn't want to talk about it. She wouldn't really tell me much at the time either which was really weird. Now the really odd thing is that I was never afraid of that hallway again after that. You'd think that after knowing that my mum saw something that had her so upset that I would be even more afraid but to be honest I, I just felt a little smug about it. I had told her that there was something in that hallway and after she saw it the feeling just totally disappeared. It was almost like the energy or whatever built and built until it made itself seen that it was just gone. And until I moved out of that house as an adult, I was never afraid of that hallway or anywhere else in that house again, even though I had just spent months so afraid of it that I wouldn't even go through it to feed myself. To this day, I, I still don't know why all of this happened or what it was, but I don't think that I'll ever forget it, that's for sure. This was an experience that I had alongside my best friend in high school. This was about 2006, maybe 2007, in a, a rural upstate New York place. We met in the third grade and are still friends to this day, and we're both 27 now. I know it can be tedious, but let me give you some quick background information before I begin. So my friend B and I became instant friends when we met in third grade and were inseparable. We frequented each other's home so much, so her mum set up a guest room that was practically my room. I had toys, clothes, pictures, I mean, everything that I needed was there pretty much. I was family. Pictures of B and I hung on the walls of the home owned by her very proud mother too, Shelley. Shelley always wanted two daughters and loved me so much that she considered me her second daughter. So her mother was divorced and she actually dated a few different men, meeting some off of sites like eHarmony. She had been speaking to a man for a few weeks, gushing about how manly and charming he was. She was really excited and always showed us their profiles before she decided to go on an actual date with one of these men. She always would say, I need my daughter's stamps of approval. One night, she called us into her room and showed us this man that she'd been talking about. His profile was simple, as one would imagine for a middle-aged man in 2007 on eHarmony. The headline read, looking for a strong mother, and I made a joke about how his odd placement for caps and just how strange a way to start out that was, but we moved forward. It told of his metalwork background, his love of cold steel, and his work in a foundry that kept his icy heart just warm enough. I was honest and told her that it sounded off, but he was handsome. He was sporting black, well-groomed hair, a beard, strong jaw, ice-blue eyes, and relatively fit body for a 40-something-year-old male. I did stress on the weird vibe, though, and then B joked how Shelley always picked out the antisocial ones, and we laughed knowing that this actually wasn't wrong. Shelley's brought some weird stories home, but, I mean, what do you expect meeting people online, right? 
We told her to go for it, so they planned a dinner. It was a pretty big haul for him, about a two-hour drive, I think, and he was driving to our location where they would then take one car into town. B and I helped Shelly pick out her outfit, helped her with her hair and makeup, and then went back upstairs so that she could have some time to herself before the long night. We headed up the stairs where B and I were painting a wall in her room, just listening to music and cutting up and just doing all that sort of stuff. But when he got there, he just let himself into the house like no big deal and just came on up the stairs without saying a word. There was no knocking, no doorbell. I mean, the dogs didn't even bark. Nothing. So we get spooked, jump and scream, and we crap our pants a little, and then we hear a man start talking behind us. We don't know how long he'd been in the house, and we don't know how long he'd stood behind us without speaking, but when he did speak, we were shaking. Well, 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 I didn't know I was getting a two-for-one deal, he said quietly in a, a gravelly low voice. He chuckled as we stood there in shock of the stranger in her room. He sauntered over to us like a, a man on a Sunday walk. The smell of cigarettes filled the room as if Rod Serling himself was standing in the corner explaining our situation to the audience for our own personal episode of The Twilight Zone. Right then, I noticed how much this guy looked like the guy in the picture Shelley showed us. Except he had salt and pepper and not jet black hair and his eyes were not ice blue but black. Not brown but pretty much completely black. And it looked like this guy was 100% pupil. Are you? I was interrupted by Shelly shouting, who got hurt. She must have thought that we were horsing around and one of us got hurt. And this was normal for us because we goofed around a lot. She was jolted at the sight of this man blocking her from us. And he turned around just as soon as she reached the top of the stairs and held his arms out and said, in a way less low tone than he used earlier, Shelly, you look beautiful. I knocked and no one answered. I hope it's okay I let myself in. These are your gifts. And then he said, they're beautiful, like they're mummy. I'll never forget how he said mummy, because it felt uh, kind of dirty. B and I both side-eyed each other and stepped down off of our stepladders, and we were both very in tune with each other, and if I felt weird, she knew it. We both felt the old air in the room, and Shelley glanced away from him and at us who were behind him, looking at her with wide eyes, both kind of shaking our heads side to side in disbelief. Shelley looked back to him. This exchange only took a few seconds, but seemed like an eternity, and she forced a smile at him and said, Oh, I'm sorry. Next time, just ring the bell. I'll come open the door. He nodded and walked towards her with open arms and hugged her like they'd been the oldest friends. She looked at us as they hugged and just kind of rolled her eyes to show us what she thought of his excuse. She proceeded to tell him that it was not appropriate as she led him down the stairs and we heard him apologize over and over again. B and I instantly ran to our phones and we agreed to text her mum what he had just said to us so that we could tell her without him knowing. We hit send and about 10 minutes later we hear footsteps up the stairs and it was Shelley and she shut the door behind her and asked us if we were okay, and she hugged us and told us that she was sorry he made us feel so uncomfortable. She explained to us that he said that we reminded us of his girls and didn't mean to scare us. We nodded, and then she said that they were leaving out for the date, and we hugged her, said be safe, and we would see her soon. 
As she headed down the stairs, B and I looked at each other. We both knew that something just was not right about this man, but we were both speechless from the good scare that we received from this dark man just about 15 minutes prior. We heard them walking and talking, heading towards the front door a few minutes later. Shelley shouted up the stairs that she loved us, and we yelled back that we loved her, and then the door shut. We instantly started talking to each other, saying the same things, and B spoke over me. Yeah, he laid that charm on so thick as soon as he saw Mum. B exclaimed further. And did you see his eyes? What the hell was with that? He looks so much like the guy from the pictures, but... Not exactly, right? We both concurred on our feelings about the stranger, his scent, his demeanor, his voice. He was like something out of a, a classic Stranger Danger advert or something. Again, we agreed to text Shelly how we felt and she thanked us and told us that it seemed to be going well and she would let us know that she was safe every hour. B and I just were freaked out and even more so that Shelly was not. It was like a weird spell that he'd cast on her, and it was odd, but we wanted to think the best for Shelley, as she was excited about this guy, so we just kind of let it go. She texted us every hour until she got home, and her last text said, I'm okay, but officially freaked out, and coming home now, be home soon. Well, at that, we got freaked out and paced around until we saw headlights pull into the driveway. It had been about five hours since they left, and about an hour since that last text, too. We were inside with the lights off, watching through the side window, trying not to be seen, when the motion sensor light flooded the yard and light fell into the driveway. And a truck flew into the driveway. With the passenger side door flung open before the truck was at full stop, and Shelley's feet were on the pavement just as fast. She waved at the driver and kind of jogged to the door wide-eyed. She reached the front door, turned and waved the truck off. She had her house key ready in the hand that she wasn't waving with and she unlocked the door and slid inside the safety of the house. Girls, keep the lights off and let's go upstairs, okay? Shelley said as she locked the two deadbolts and the chain too. She didn't look at us either and we headed upstairs behind her and we walked into B's room and looked out the window down to the truck, still in park out the front with the lights on and the engine running. As we all stared at the truck, Shelley told us of the ordeal that she went through. But long story short, he had made a reservation at the wrong restaurant. So he suggested that they go buy some food and have a picnic-style dinner at the local park. Shelley didn't do well outdoors. She was an office woman, so she declined. However, he had just drove so long to get there and then hit her with, you kind of owe me, and... Shelley said that that made her feel bad, knowing that he drove two hours, so when he mentioned that he had a vacation home that he could cook for her at close by, she agreed. She said that they got to the house, and it was nice enough, at Log Cabin near Bethel, New York, only about 35 minutes from our town. Shelley said that he kept talking about how easy it was to get her alone, and he also kept saying that he liked strong mummies because they have such fight, but... She caved, apparently. And this definitely made her skin crawl. This wasn't the man that she thought it was, and this also wasn't the man in the picture. And Shelley started to slowly realize this, too. Shelley then said that she asked for a ride home due to her feeling ill, and 
He wasn't the happiest, but he complied and stopped cooking and started looking for the keys that she knew that he had in his pocket. He then started asking her about our girls, referring to myself and B. This freaked Shelly out so bad that she said that she was going to get someone to get her and that he didn't like this and found his keys instantly. Once they were out of the house and in the truck, the truck wouldn't start either, so they had to move to his work truck. Shelly was visibly shaken and wouldn't take her eyes off the truck in the driveway as she spilled the story out post-haste. She said that there was a garage that he said that they could walk around to the house to hop in the work truck. She said that she felt she had no choice but to play it cool and just agree to go. She hopped out and walked around the house and there indeed was another garage with a truck in it. It was the same truck that we were all currently staring at just sitting in the driveway. And Shelley whispered to us that apparently it smelt like bleach and iron or metal or something. She told us on the way home that he just kept talking about us. What did we do that she didn't like? What got us spankings? What were the naughty things that we got in trouble for? What would she do without us? And the one question to scare you out of your pants as a parent, would you sacrifice yourself for our girls? Shelley said that she stared at him in awe and kind of disbelief and then he just laughed. She got more and more concerned as she noticed her surroundings in the back of the truck that she was riding home in too. There were what she thought were chains in a bucket sitting on a desk that was drilled into the floor, a duffel bag and very large metal objects that she wasn't too sure of. And this is when he started to pull out pictures on his little flip phone that he had of us. He must have found Shelley's Facebook and he took pictures of our pictures and had them on his phone. Waving it around telling Shelley what a, a good strong mummy she had been to us. And she should be proud of what she had accomplished. By this time, they were pulling into the driveway and Shelley was done with this crap. She was just about finished when she saw the truck lights turn off though. Shelley immediately picked up the phone and dialed the sheriff and told him quickly that there was an unwelcomed person outside of our home. Being in such a small town, the sheriff not only went to school and graduated with Shelley, but only lived three doors down too. And just as we see this guy getting out of his truck with a duffel bag no less, we saw the sheriff whip up behind him. The man panicked and literally threw his duffel into his truck and tried to back into the sheriff to get out. When he realized that he was blocked from the rear, he went through the yard and we could not believe our eyes. The truck peeled out, taking some of the lawn with it. The sheriff came to the door to check on us and told us that he had units down the road waiting for him. We all shared a good collective cry and rejoiced in our safety after that. It did, however, create some paranoia issues in the next couple of weeks, due to the fact that we didn't know how long he was in the house when he just let himself in for. I mean, we were asking questions like, did he put cameras anywhere? Did he mess with the food in the house to hurt someone? I mean, it was bad, but we eventually worked through it. We never did hear anything about him getting caught, and we did occasionally receive eerie messages on Facebook, two of which we knew were him, but we put that out of our minds. And we haven't heard anything from or about him since about three months after the incident when the last message was received. It's been about 11 years since the incident, but we still talk about it when we can that is.
G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.